Welcome again, my friends, to 15-Minute Free Thinking. I'll be your host. My name is Joshua Orr. I go by Carpo. And in my lifetime, I've been through quite a few different, let's just say, I've delved into a lot of different topics (laughs) and uh, a lot of subjects that involve spirituality, mysticism, Woo! The woo-woo. You know, I've been through it all. And the question I wanted to pose today, and I want to do it playfully, I want to do it gently, is what is enlightenment? And also, is it rational to be a, quote, mystic? Or is mysticism itself rational? Now, I'd like to say I'm well aware that irrational thinking gives us answers, whether we think that they are true or not, in the deepest, darkest depths of our minds. We tend to believe whatever works for us, so I'm not here to dispute anybody's beliefs. Rather, I'm here to reiterate some of the points that I've expressed in the past about what I think enlightenment is, I consider it a paradox of knowledge. And I'm going to go into some depth here, and I have some notes, and I know that (laughs) it's funny, it's kind of ironic, because the more notes you have, the less you get it. (laughs) In the sense that, you know, one first must learn, research, and observe the world around them. Only then can they let go of all of it. In other words... You have to have a grasp on what's going on as best you can before you can decide what is worth throwing out and what is worth keeping. And only over time, the things that we learn can be processed and explored and then hopefully understood. I've always liked the term Renaissance man, not to be sexist. But there's another term, polymath, or a jack-of-all-trades, somebody who knows a little bit of everything. But I think renaissance man is a much better term, or woman, or dog or cat. The point being that you are fascinated with all subjects, and you become a student of nature, a student of the world. And this takes time. I've noticed a lot of young people get very attached to this. If you brag, you don't get it. If you think it matters that you're wearing a scarf and a certain type of shorts or pants or certain Birkenstocks or, you know, beads, whether you think that uh, other people aren't enlightened because you are more tolerant or you recycle more, I think we all know where I'm coming from here. It's There are some people out there who really play the what I call the more tolerant games. Um, it's virtue signaling is the modern term for it. Uh, it happens with religion a lot. It's a one-upmanship. This idea that if you're wearing the right robe, if you have the right crystals, or you say the right prayer, then you are somehow above someone else. Now let me reiterate this and make sure that I get the point across. I'm not saying that using these beliefs about robes, crystals, or scriptures aren't powerful for the individual. 
but if it makes you think that you are superior to others, you've missed the point. So when it comes to enlightenment, what I've discovered is that, and that the best way I heard it defined was that it's always there in each one of us, that it's not something that's learned. Because if it was, each different culture and language is unique, people would all learn it in different ways. Somebody described it as a sculpture awaiting carving. You chip away at that sculpture and you reveal the truth, the underlying whatever it may be for yourself. And how much detail are you willing to carve into your statue? And this is a word of caution. (laughs) I mean this. If you go too deep, if you start carving too much, you're going to shrink your statue. You can only go so far and you can only do so much. And I know that's a silly metaphor to some. But I think that metaphors are important in us conveying our message. The more absolution and confidence and surety that we desire in our lives, the more that we become frustrated or find out that we were wrong and can't handle it. There's no one lesson or path that makes us fully complete, whether it be Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, or atheism, no, nothing seems to make us complete in our hearts and minds other than letting go of what we think we know. And at least in my experience and from those I've talked to, it's about being able to kind of laugh at reality. And that's a Zen practice, and I'll leave that for another discussion. But I want to get across the point of enlightenment here. Because nobody knows the whole truth. Nobody walks the same path. Each person has different careers, different experiences. What we have to realize is that everybody brings something different to the table. So how do we separate bullshit from useful knowledge when we are talking to other people? And they do share ideas with us. This is a difficult one. I'm not sure. I think it comes from the heart, but also goes back to what I said about experience. Um, Having that life lesson of being a renaissance man or woman allows us to laugh at things that we know are silly and to take seriously things that might actually be important. There's this old idea that, you know, we insult something and ridicule it until we have to take it as fact. And a lot of folks use certain alternative or spiritual beliefs to claim that, well, eventually science will see this as true. Um, A lot of people praise or insult belief um, or use science as it is convenient. And... Likewise, a lot of people seek gurus in these other belief systems that live like they do or would. I guess what I'm saying is we have to look inward for answers. There's a term called inspire, which you're well aware of. To be inspired. The word inspire goes back to Latin, and it means inspire is breathe in. It really means to truly breathe in. 
as if awareness is always there. And I know that a lot of people are seeking a deep truth and understanding in the universe, but I suppose my message would be that it's okay to delve into everything, but don't take anything as absolute. As I'm sitting here, I have a stack of books in front of me. One is the first one, The Enduring Issues in Philosophy, which breaks down all the different philosophical debates we have. Then I have The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. The Third Jesus by Deepak Chopra. Teresa of Avila. Then I have Taoism. Then I have Be Here Now by Ram Dass. The Power of Silence by Carlos Castaneda. The Essence of Kabbalah or Kabbalah by Brian Lancaster. Then Essential Zen and then Serpent of Fire, which is one that's about kundalini yoga. And all of these were books I was thinking about tapping as kind of a prop for a video or audio recording as this, as I'm doing right now. But um, the point being that I've expanded my horizons across many different authors and ideas, and that's only a taste of the ones that I've been interested in. And... What I've found is that all of them can be tools, but none of these people are gurus. We have to look inward for answers. We have to inspire. We have to breathe in. Psychedelics are great tools for some people, but they're just that, tools. Meditation is a great tool for some people, but it's also just that, a tool. It's medicinal, not dietary. We can walk through religions and back out again. We can experiment with things that we think might work for us. But once you realize that you are the teacher, then the real work begins. And most importantly, it never ends. Everything is cyclical down to the long-term earth changes to individual lives, the great teachers can only give you the tools to understand and accept your own fate in life, but not the facts. There are no facts. We have to find this out for ourselves. So as I said earlier, irrational thinking gives us answers. We enjoy horoscopes and palm readers and charlatans. It's just a get-rich-easy scheme on people's fears, beliefs, and misunderstandings. A true knowledge of the future does not exist. Deciphering what is mystical is extremely subjective. I don't want to be a bringer of, quote, bad news, but reality does suck at times. We have to sometimes let go of things. I believe if we let go of demons gods, crystal balls, psychic readings, and false promises, then we no longer have to believe in trolls and monsters and possessions and witches. At one time, they believed people who had epileptic seizures were possessed by the devils. We've come a long way. Beliefs do have a positive side. They give people comfort. But they also give somebody an excuse to blame someone else for their problems, whether it be Satan, another religion, another culture. 
and a false sense of security is still security for some people, for most people. The promise of eternal life, or even a good life now, our soul, spirit, heaven. In my opinion, I believe we're better off making stories that help us in this life and hope for something better. God is extremely subjective, and there is no authority. There are people out there selling themselves on the prosperity gospel. Plant a seed. Tilton. Kenneth Copeland. They target the elderly. They lie. They wear earpieces and use prayer cards to target their audience to get them to make donations, and people continue to believe it. They're tax-exempt. It's like Scientology on steroids, but here we are. You know, everybody is desperately trying to find some sort of a truth, whether it's through religion or spiritual teachings. And you know, it's not in how many psychedelics you've done. It has nothing to do with how many gurus you've met. It has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. It has, it, it has nothing to do with how much you know or learn. It doesn't matter how much you feel the truth. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter whether you dress in robes or not. It doesn't matter whether you have crystals or incense or do the right yoga poses. It is truly how you handle yourself throughout your life and treat others. And that's what I firmly believe. I believe it's pretty simple and it can be broken down into about basically five simple points. Enlightenment, in my opinion, means an empathy for all existence, and that is including the self. It's easy for us to put on a face that we care about everyone else, but we need to work on the self. We need to have empathy for ourselves and for other people and realize we're all here together. And mind you, I'm not saying that I'm enlightened. <laughs> oh, hell no. I'm, these are points to work on for all of us. Number two would be understanding that you cannot understand. That's old term Socratic wisdom. It's the greatest wisdom lies in knowing you know nothing. And it just means that the more we learn, the more we realize we don't learn. It doesn't mean we should give up learning. It just means that the more we learn, the more conscious we are of what we claim to be truth. Number three, as far as attaining enlightenment, is, or I should say being enlightened, is uh, doing the human work without complaints. And that's a difficult one. That's what I'm working on right now. We all have to work a job. We all have to make a living. We all have to do what we have to do. And, and we tend to complain a lot, but there's a lot of reason to complain. But um, doing what you've got to do as a parent, as a spouse, as a father, son, mother, child, sister, brother. Number four is stoicism and being able to laugh at the absurdity of it all. Because if we can't remain stoic and calm and collected in the face of adversity and change, then we haven't figured it out. Regardless of what happens to us or others, life is what it is. And stoicism should be celebrated, and I am able to laugh at myself as much as anyone else, so uh, I believe that that's an ex extremely important point. And then the final one, number five, being able to see yourself in others and 
vice versa. Being able to see the all or the whole. And when I say vice versa, I mean, yeah, sure, we can see things in other people that we know we do, but seeing things in us that other people do is more complicated. And it may seem like the same thing, but it's not. And you know, through all of it, we're trying to figure out ourselves. And then we have people who think that they're, let's quote, spiritual because they do yoga poses. You know, yoga is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It has nothing to do with poses whatsoever, originally. We've westernized just about everything. And, you know, the truth is about what a person would call enlightenment is that epiphanies are fleeting. We can't identify with awareness. We are awareness. There's a term called satori. It's a Buddhist term for a brief awakening into a truth about something or an aha moment. You might call it an epiphany. And those are the moments that we need to embrace. Then we realize that we're learning from nature, but we're also the teacher. The one thing I'd like to say about the truth is that you cannot unsee it, but you can rethink what truth is. And it's not about some consistent way of being. Believe me. You know, we have different times of day, different feelings at those times of day, different feelings of defeat, then feelings of positivity, negativity, and growth, and even the Dalai Lama. If there is such a thing as enlightenment, the Dalai Lama himself has moments of ups and downs, as he says, and he likes to take apart cars and do shit like that, which I think is awesome. The guy's a real human being, and, and he's pointed out on these things, you know, and I do respect the guy. It, it's not that I'm a Buddhist, but I do respect Buddhist principles. And anyone who follows that and kind of laughs at reality and says, here we are. Let's use what we've got. Let's do what we can. Negative is positive. It's all part of the same coin. First we have to wake up. Then we have to integrate. We don't dismiss what other people tell us. We just try to integrate that knowledge into something that benefits us. Moksha, right? Psychedelics can get us to an interesting place, but even they have limits. And then there's debates over whether psychedelics are not the true, true, you know, path to enlightenment, whereas somebody who says meditation's different, and somebody else says prayer is different, and then you find out that all three of them have the same part of their brain activated when they're under an MRI. What does that tell us? tells us that what really matters is community, connection, understanding. But more importantly than any of this is a lot of folks who get into this spiritual truth in their own reality tend to abandon the material realm. You are not above the material realm. You are the material realm. And that's... I'm sure somebody might take that as a, a pointing the finger. No, it's okay. We all are right now. Sure, your mind is a product of 
the universe. We don't know the full details or the full scope of who we are or why we're here, but you are still part of this reality. Your body exists, and you cannot transcend the body-mind while you're alive on this 3D reality. So, point being, might as well write it out and do the best we can to integrate. Integration is the key. It is the goal of life in simple form. Because connections are universal. If you look at nature, if you look at animals, if you look at insects, plants, their, their symbiosis and their integration is what matters. And that's with each other as well. Awareness is fleeting, but I picked up some points that I think are important, and I'd like to share them. And I wrote this down several years ago, but before I go, I'd like to read a couple of things that I have here. Um, I think I'll just read this one page. It's called The Ten Rules to Enlightenment, and it's a half joke, but all the points I stand by. Number one, there is no destination. Awareness grows like a tree and cannot be rushed. Number two, one should always retain humor. Take nothing too seriously and embrace negativity. Number three, each reality is unique and therefore each enlightenment varies widely. Four, the process is not constructive, it is destructive. So be prepared to tear down walls. It can be painful. 5. Beware of false prophets and idols who promise you the truth. 6. If you cannot share your discoveries, be wary and ask if it is truly useful. 7. Friends, family, and experiences should be an important discovery. 8. Don't assume you must be empty-minded to learn. Some tools, such as critical thinking, must be retained, though adjusted. 9. Question everything, but realize some truths are important to survival. And number 10. Embrace your mortality for what it is, and revel in your time to bloom on earth. And that also goes back to the, I had 11 and 12 and 13, which the ones I already mentioned, which were don't dismiss the material realm, integration is the goal of life, awareness is fleeting, and I don't know how much any of this matters. I don't know how, many, how much any of this might help anyone else, but, you know, I think observing other people is important. Not just thinking that others don't know what they're talking about, Observing happy people, especially. Learning the archetypes. Watching every sunset and sunrise we can. Seeking out the truth. You know, it's easy to see when people are pretending to be happy. The truth is, we all do it sometimes. But we can't obsess over the past or the future, what may or may not be. We have to embrace the present. We have to be tolerant of the opinions of others, even when we believe they're wrong. As I've said, there's always a reason for a treason. Most important to this uh, aspect of finding our true selves, I think we have to embrace art, music, and creativity until we're confident that we our creations are worthy of us 
not just of others. And remember that the children, adults, and elderly all share this experience of life, and nobody is wiser by age unless they learn it. The people who act spiteful are often the most fragile, and opening up to them can help you both. Believe me, I've had some experiences with people online that blew my mind. They seem like the biggest jerks. I got to talking with them, and I asked them, "Hey, man, you know, I'm sorry if you're not you feel this way. What you know, what's up?" And instead of calling me a complete piece of shit, they told me their problems, and we ended up being friends. That's hard to do these days because we assume everybody's out to get us, but we shouldn't. So, that's enlightenment in my opinion. There are no promises. It's an ongoing process. So, if you enjoyed this, please share it with somebody you love. Thanks for listening. You can uh, support me through Patreon for as low as a dollar a month or uh, PayPal. And uh, I really appreciate all of my patrons. Some of my top patrons, Emilio, Jason, Zelda Zonk, Tim Smith, River Milliken, Adam Mansonson, Matt Hemingway, Jake Dugan, MJ Pritchett, Sean Fitzpatrick, and, uh, you know, Sean Schwartzwelder. Thank you all. I mean, I, I really appreciate it. It means more than you can imagine. So uh, let's get back to doing our human work without complaints. Peace out, my friends. Be well. Give somebody a hug today, and I'll talk to you next time. Over and out.